0: Saints, God bless you. Welcome you to the rock this morning. So excited to see everyone and be back together. God is good, isn't He? And that's one of the things I love talking about is how good God is. And I love the set of worship that our worship team provided this morning because we were really focusing on. The many, many benefits that God has poured out on us. They're passing out a handout for you today. We're going to be talking about revelation knowledge and a word of knowledge. We've been—I've been doing a series on the gifts of the Spirit. And at the top of the handout, if you miss these, or if you're interested in catching up, there are dates of recordings when we started the series. If you ever want to go back and listen, you can download uh, these from. The Rock website under the teachings menu, um, because this is a series, and uh, there were some introduction things uh, way back last year, and so I'm going to try to finish all nine gifts of the Spirit, is our goal, is this, all right, go ahead, my microphone is goofy, is that better? I know you can't see it. <laughs> Do I need to take it off? Okay, all right, you just tell me, yeah, it's still clicking, one earring removed, all right, no more clicking. Okay, so we're talking about the revelation knowledge and a word of knowledge today, and um, in the handout, I have listed some of the scriptures over the different sections of what we're going to cover today, and then especially because we're talking about a word of knowledge on the second page where it talks about a word of knowledge. I wanted you to have the definition. I wanted you to have the purpose and the understanding of what a word of knowledge does for us. And we'll get to these things as we go through the day. But let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace and your goodness. And I thank you that your word says you don't want us to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. And so I pray today for your Holy Spirit to reveal to each of our hearts what you want us to know. The Father, you fill my mouth that I speak what you know that every heart here needs to hear. And Father, I pray even for those that are listening later by recording that your spirit is moving in their, on their behalf also, Father, that this is just your love being poured out today. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a quick review. Uh, because we're talking about spiritual gifts, they are exactly that. They are spiritual. They're not something that you can tangibly touch with your hands. And they are gifts. They're not something you can earn. They're not something that you have to qualify yourself for. They're just given by the Father, by the Holy Spirit, by by Jesus, because they love us. God our Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they love us and they want to give us gifts. Now, I have children, and I know many of you have children, or you were a child at one point. I love giving my kids gifts. And I love it especially when I've picked out something so specific for them, My youngest grandson loves the color orange, and he loves dinosaurs. So if I can find an orange dinosaur, I get excited because he's going to be excited. And that's how God is with us. He's prepared gifts for us, specific gifts that he knows that even each of our hearts individually are going to get excited about because it's personalized for us. So when we're talking about spiritual gifts, some of you are probably going to flow more than others than in, in different ones just because your personality and, and, and your, your makeup might cause you to be more bent towards that. But that's God in the midst of that because he knows who you are. He knows what you love to do. He knows what he's created you for. And so spiritual gifts are not just random and thoughtless. They are specifically given in love because of who God created you to be. So I want us to get that point because spiritual gifts are all about love. Now, every spiritual gift carries four things, and that's on the top of your outline there. Every spiritual gift, whether it's from God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit, carries these four things. Anointing, an authority in that gift, a power, because authority and power are different. Authority is the right to do something. Power is the ability to do something and the wisdom to do something. So there is anointing. That's the power of the Holy Spirit to break yokes in that. There's authority. There's the power and the wisdom. Every spiritual gift gives you an ability or a power to do something. And whether it's from God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit, it enables you, it equips you to do something. And that's the beauty of spiritual gifts. That's why we need them. And so, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, this scripture tells us there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And what we find is there are gifts from God the Father, gifts from God the Son, and gifts from the Holy Spirit. And that's why this series we're working on right now are gifts from the Holy Spirit. So spiritual gifts, and we're going to look at some examples when we get to a word of knowledge, have the power to transform individual lives. They have the power to transform circumstances. They have the power to transform the course of nations and history. If someone receives a spiritual gift, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, or something like this, and you do what God has asked you to do with that, you can change the course of history, literally, can change the course of a nation by being obedient to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. So it's really important that we learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, which is why we're teaching on this. So we're going to start with our first scripture in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to put this up on the screen, verses 7 through 11. And this is going to tell us what the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit are. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now that first verse tells us that if you get a, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or any of these nine gifts, that you... Go ahead. Okay, my microphone keeps popping off. If you wonder why the pause. We're good? All right. I'll try not to move around so much the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of us for the profit of all of us. So if you get something, it's not just to profit you or your family. It's going to benefit a whole range of people in your your influence, because this is how God works. He loves people, and so he releases the power of his kingdom in love through these gifts of the Spirit. And these manifestations have the power to change history now we've looked at a gift of prophecy before the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues and a word of wisdom last time and today we're going to look at revelation knowledge and a word of knowledge both of these are needed to renew our minds and change the way we think when we gain knowledge it's supposed to have an impact on us it's supposed to change the way we think, the way we live, the way we operate. And so it's important for us to understand it's the Holy Spirit as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who gives us spiritual revelation and spiritual knowledge. The world puts a lot of stock in education, really, really pushing that you need to have a college degree, you need to have. A master's degree you need to have a PhD and I'm not against education and worldly knowledge but I'm going to tell you something that knowledge is not eternally valuable that is not an eternally valuable knowledge there is a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God that is an eternal revelation that will bless your socks off from here to eternity And it starts now. It starts here. It starts right now while we're on earth. We can have this knowledge of the kingdom of God and it will carry us into eternity. And it transforms us. It takes us from the garbage heap to a throne. Okay? So the revelation knowledge of the Holy Spirit is a living thing, it's not static like a book you set on the shelf of earthly knowledge. The revelation knowledge of the Holy Spirit lives within you, transforming who you are, speaking to your spirit, guiding you. It's a totally different class than earthly knowledge. You know, there, there are sources of knowledge. So what is knowledge? It's facts. It's understanding. It's learned through books or, or learned through experiences. That's how we navigate this natural world. We learn through, through experiences. But the supernatural knowledge of God is revealed in our spirit and there are two sources actually of supernatural knowledge one source of knowledge comes from god and that brings life jesus says the words that i bring i speak to you their spirit and their life but there's a supernatural source of knowledge that brings death and who do you think introduces that knowledge into the earth it's called the doctrine of devils doctrine of demons Religious spirits that bring you into bondage. See, the spiritual world has good knowledge, has the knowledge of evil. God wants us to have the knowledge of good. The devil wants us to have the knowledge of evil that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And we got to get above that. We have to go beyond that source of knowledge that's predominant in the earth. We have to rise above that and get into the spirit realm and set our mind on heavenly things to get the knowledge of God. Our second scripture is John sixteen, thirteen through 15. And Jesus was telling us about the Holy Spirit in this scripture. John 16, 13 through 15. Okay. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Now, this is really important, this verse 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he, the Holy Spirit, will take of mine and declare it to you. How many things that the Father has belong to Jesus? Are there any restrictions according to that verse? And Jesus said he has access to all of it. And then he says, the Holy Spirit will take all of those blessings, all of that knowledge, all of that authority, all of that victory, and declare it to you. That's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? This is the role of the Holy Spirit bringing revelation knowledge to us. Jesus said, you have full access to whatever God has. James said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and he will give it to him. How much? Liberally, fully, overwhelming. This is the promise of Jesus. If you need something, beloved, ask God if you can have it. And you know what the answer is going to be? Yes and amen. All the promises of God are yes and amen. This is what revelation knowledge does for us. Now the enemy doesn't want us to understand this. Our next scripture is taken out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. But Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, and he says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ." It is the enemy who tries to blind you to what God has given you. He's the one who wants to do all the smoke and shadows and mirrors and and bring you into confusion. God doesn't want you in confusion. He wants you to have revelation knowledge so that you can see the glory of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for you and the fact that he's declared everything that the Father has is mine and I'm giving it to you. This is what God wants you to know. So if you're in a situation and you feel a little foggy about what's going on, you feel like darkness is swirling around you, ask God to lift you out of that. Say, Father, reveal to me the knowledge that I need to know to make me victorious in this situation. Reveal to me the knowledge I need to know to make me victorious in this situation and he will do it. He will do it because that's God's heart for you to walk in truth and freedom. In the knowledge of Jesus Christ, all fear, all worry, all condemnation, it, it vanishes. When we truly know who Jesus is and what he's done for us, it completely vanishes. Our fourth scripture is taken out of 1 John chapter 3. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in a situation, it's really our fault, we made a mistake. But God has us covered. We just need to ask forgiveness. John wrote, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deeds and in truth. And by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. If your heart is clear before God, John wrote, you can ask whatever you need for and receive it. So if there's a question in your heart, if you've done something and your heart is condemning you, that's, that's not an eternal situation. As a Christian, we just ask God to forgive us and the condemnation is gone. It's taken care of, done, boom. It's over and it's forgotten. As far as the east is from the west, the sins are thrown in the sea, it's gone, boom. We make a mistake, just ask forgiveness and it's gone. And you can have the things that you asked for. There is no condemnation when you walk in the Spirit. Okay? The enemy wants to trip us up in this and we, we don't need to do that. God has freedom. and He wants our hearts to be free before him. Last week when I was listening to Isaac preach, he was talking about how the things in this world, conditions in this world sometimes set our heart on fire with worry and fear. But I want to tell you there's a different kind of fire that you can have. In Luke chapter 24 you've probably read this story and it's about two of Jesus' disciples, so this was right after the resurrection, and the tomb was found to be empty. And there were two disciples that were walking on the road to Emmaus. And as they were walking, a man came onto the road, and he says, what are you guys talking about? And they said, well, where have you been? The whole region's just abuzz with the fact that Jesus was crucified, and, and these two, two guys were telling them, telling this man about Jesus and what had happened, and now they can't find his body. And Jesus made a comment, and this was Jesus who appeared as this person on the road to them, but they didn't know it. And Jesus made a comment to them, "Oh, you who are slow of heart to believe." Now this dullness of heart is something we're going to talk about a little bit more as we go into some scriptures here. But Jesus, after he made that comment that your heart is dull, he did something to take the dullness away from their heart. He began to teach them from Moses and the prophets about who Jesus Christ is. It is the knowledge of Jesus Christ that brings light and revelation to us. And Jesus began to teach them what the scripture said about him and who he is. And when they got to Emmaus, Jesus was going to keep walking, and they said, no, come eat with us. And so they sat down to eat. Jesus did what he always did. He picked up the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it. And then they knew who this was. And he vanished from their sight, it says. But these two disciples made a comment that's very important. They said, did not our hearts burn within us when he was teaching us and showing us and revealing the scripture. When the Holy Spirit is ministering revelation to you, have you ever had this, aha, light bulb comes on in your head moment? Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit revealing something. And your heart's excited and you sort of burn in your heart and you're like, wow, I didn't know that before. This is so cool. Now I get it. That burning heart syndrome is something we're supposed to carry every day. It's not supposed to be just an occasional thing. We're supposed to be hearing the voice of the Spirit every day telling us about Jesus so that our hearts burn for him, so that we're not lukewarm. This is what God wants for us, to reveal himself to us Jesus told us in John, I'm going to read this to you, this is John chapter 4, and you've heard this before, verses 23 and 24. The hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Do you saw what Isaac did here at the end of the song service when he said for a minute, just meditate on what God has done for you, the goodness of God, and then worship God for that? That's what this verse is about. When the Holy Spirit brings revelation to you and that light bulb comes on and you're like, aha, and your heart burns, that's a moment that you should worship. Worship God in spirit, from your spirit, and worship him in truth because you know who he is. You know what he's done. Something about him has just been revealed to you. When you get an aha moment, take a minute or five minutes and worship God with what he's just shown you about him. Worship him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for people that will worship him when he is revealed to them. That's what Jesus said. The goodness of God. You see the goodness of God. And he's like, hey, worship at this time. Okay. Second Peter chapter 1. Talking about the revelation knowledge of who God is and who Jesus is. We're going to look at verses 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you knew, and I didn't know this, well, I maybe knew it a long time ago, but I had to count again. There are 22 letters in the New Testament. 20 of the 22 letters say grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our founding fathers, the apostles of our faith here, knew it was very important for the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ to come to us because how do we stay in that state of grace, in that state of peace, In our world that's gone crazy right now, how do we stay in a state of peace? It's by the revelation knowledge of who God is and what he's done for us. 22 letters, 20 of them have that in it. The churches were constantly reminded for grace and peace to be multiplied to them as the knowledge of God comes to us. Now, we're going to talk about something. We're going to shift gears here for a second. There's a verse in the Bible. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, and it says this. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs us up, but love edifies. And this is something we've got to sort of guard our hearts about. When we get revelation knowledge, when we begin to understand things, sometimes, and especially if you're a teacher motivated like me, when I was really younger, I was so eager to tell everybody what I knew, and I came across as a know-it-all. Look what I learned! You know, you. know, And we have to be careful that we don't try to share this knowledge without love. We can't judge everybody on the same plane with this word that we just learned. We have to ask the Holy Spirit how to apply what we learn and to walk in love with it. Because we can hurt people when we try to do something that isn't led by the Holy Spirit. God's really concerned about this. Paul talked about how he had revelations. He was caught up into the third heaven and he saw stuff and knew stuff and was told stuff that other humans hadn't seen ever. And he said, so that he didn't get puffed up, God sent a buffeter to buffet his flesh. God was concerned about Paul's heart. We have to make sure that when we receive revelation knowledge that it doesn't puff us up and put us in a place that we do more harm than good. Education and knowledge can cause us to stop listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit because we think we got it all. We think we know it all. So we have to be careful that we guard against I've got it all syndrome, okay? We want to make sure that we still listen to the Holy Spirit and only move when he tells us to move, not because we know what we should do, all righty? So let's talk about our inner kingdom, our inner man. Our, our hearts are, are turned on fire by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And at times when we feel empty inside, have you ever, like me, had periods in your life where you felt dull and empty and just like you had no idea what's going on around you spiritually? You just, you're just a of lost. You feel lost. And what I've come to discover over walking with the Lord for 40 years is that that normally means I have not taken the time to get my aha moments when I'm feeling empty, it means that I need more interaction with the Holy Spirit talking to me and giving him access to my life. That's what that means when our hearts feel empty. So God doesn't want, our, he doesn't want us to feel empty. He wants us to feel blessed because he has so many things he wants to give us and he wants us hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit so that we know what he wants to give us, so that we can access what he wants to give us. He's always in communication with us. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. He's always in communication with us because he wants us to know what he's got for us. Now, the verses before this talk about an Old Testament scripture that says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. That's Old Covenant. New covenant, this is for us, but God has revealed them to us through this Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, and this is what Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will take what is God's, what is Jesus, and give it to you. The Holy Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we've received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Isn't that beautiful? You can know all the things that God has given to you because the Holy Spirit lives in you and he's talking to you. God reveals his love to us right now. Jesus made a comment. He was talking in, in, I think it's John 15, he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. You've heard that before. Jesus says, if I am go back to heaven, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I don't know about you, but I sort of get this mental image in my head of an empty apartment that's got just a few furnishings because I'm not there yet. That's, that's how I've always looked at it. But the Holy Spirit said to me, no, 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 no. I've given you everything. It's in your storehouse. It's in your place. You can have it now. You just need to ask for it now. I can give you things now that are in the place that I've prepared for you later. Our place that's prepared for us is full of all the things that God wants us to have. Have you ever thought of it like that before? Your place that God's prepared for you It's full of all the blessings, all the gifts, everything that you have need of for life, for godliness. It's all waiting there for you. We access it by faith. We ask the Holy Spirit, show us what I can get from my storehouse, from the place that you've prepared for me. What can I access here on earth from that place? God wants to give you things. He wants to show you what's freely given to you. What's, what's yours? It's got your name on it. It belongs to you. Individually, as a person, as a child of God. Right now, it belongs to you. When God moves, Jesus said, I'm preparing a place for you. When Jesus prepared that place, he doesn't prepare it empty. He fills everything, below the earth, on the earth, above the earth. When he prepares a place for you, it's not empty. It's filled with him. It's filled with who he is. It's filled with who God is. It's filled. God doesn't move in emptiness. God moves in filling everything. He fills it. He doesn't leave anything empty or void. He fills it. And so this is all yours right now. It's your spiritual inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul the apostle that wrote most of our letters, he wrote some absolutely magnificent prayers for us to have comprehension and understanding and wisdom about our spiritual riches. And he says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now well, that's some revelation there, isn't it? That's, you can meditate on that for a year. The apostle is praying for the churches that we grasp the spiritual revelation knowledge that God has for us. It's so important. He's praying for this. Chapter 3, something very similar. We're going to look at this one. Ephesians chapter 3, and this is verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of god now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be the glory in the church by jesus christ to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He is praying for us to comprehend how full the love of Christ is towards us and the things that God has done for us and how much he loves us. And he wants us to comprehend this because of verse 19, so that you can be filled with the fullness of God. Everything the Father has is Jesus And Jesus said, I want the Holy Spirit to take that fullness, that everything that's God's, and give it to us. This is the purpose of revelation knowledge. In Colossians, he he writes something similar. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. He writes, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. He's praying that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Do you think God wants you to have spiritual wisdom and understanding? It's pretty evident, isn't it? Okay, so why is revelation knowledge so important? Why is comprehension, understanding, wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of Christ so important? I'm going to give you eight reasons why this is really important to us. Reason number one, this is found in 2 Corinthians 2.14. It says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. You're a diffuser. You share what you know about Jesus. That's why it's important for you to know you're the one that shares that in the earth. The second reason is knowledge is a key to entering the kingdom of heaven. In Luke 11:52, 52, Jesus spoke to Pharisees, and I think we have this one too. Luke 11:52 He says, "Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who are entering you hindered. We have to know about the kingdom of God to want to enter it, to go there. So knowledge is a key to entering the kingdom of God. In fact, this is so important to Jesus. Uh, we're going to look at a parable in Matthew 21, verses 33 through 46. This is a long story, and you've heard this. But in this parable of a landowner who had a vineyard, it says he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far, far country. Now, when the vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive the fruit and the vine dressers took his servants beat one killed one stoned another again he sent other servants and more than the first and they did likewise to them then last of all he sent his son to them saying they will respect my son but when the vine dressers saw the son they said among themselves this is the heir come let us kill him and seize his inheritance so they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. And this is the scripture I wanted to get to. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? Has become the chief cornerstone, and this was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. The kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. Israel was intended to be the storehouse of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It was intended as a nation to be those who would bring light to the earth of the Messiah. And they refused to do it. In fact, they locked up the kingdom of God by restricting the knowledge. Rather than embracing Jesus as the Messiah, they completely went against him, completely went against the prophetic scriptures about who he was, and shut the door to the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, Okay, we're done. He said, I'm taking this from you. I'm going to give it to a tribe. That word nation means a tribe, a people group, who will bear the fruits of it. That's that's the church, folks. That's those who come by faith rather than works. That's those who enter the kingdom of God by faith in God's word. This is why sharing what you know about Jesus is so important is because as the church, it has been given to us. This knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, it's given to us so that we can share it to other people. We're supposed to bring forth the fruit of it. We need to know about this, that this knowledge is important, because number three, we need to renew our minds so that we understand what it is. If you don't know that you're expected to share revelation knowledge, you don't dig, you don't go after it. So we have to renew our minds. Revelation knowledge unlocks power and authority to the church. Our next scripture is Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. And you've heard this before. This is when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? In verse 14, so they say, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon bar for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What did Revelation do? The Revelation of who Jesus Christ is did what? That rock of Revelation, Jesus said, I will build my church on and the gates of Hades are the region of the dead. It's not going to prevail against you. You have eternal life. and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Revelation knowledge opens the door for Christ's disciples to have the authority to bind and loose, and we'll talk more about this in a second. So it's really important that we understand that knowledge leads us to this point. You know, we're called to influence the spirit realm. That's point number five of why it's important. Either we influence the spirit realm or it influences us. The people of this world are constantly influenced by demonic sources to self-indulge, to satisfy the flesh. Constantly being influenced by demonic sources. We're supposed to be dead to that because we've been crucified with Christ and we've been risen. That's the point of baptism, the symbolic, uh, the symbolic knowledge that we have risen above this natural earth, that we are raised in life with Christ by the Spirit of God that dwells within us. We're called to influence. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, the the whole authority of heaven and earth has once again been united to Jesus. Ephesians 1 says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth in him. I'm telling you this because there used to be this separation where the earth could not be influenced by spiritual things. But Jesus Christ... Took the authority away from the devil, and the earth and heaven are now connected in the influence of spiritual things. Matthew 28 says, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Once again, he has authority of heaven and earth. And in Matthew 16, which we just read, Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom to influence what happens on earth. I'm going to read that to you in the Amplified Version because this says something that no other version translation says. And I think this is really important in the Amplified because it reflects an Old Testament scripture. Jesus answered and he says, Blessed, happy, fortunate, and envied are you, Simon Barjona, for the flesh and blood of men have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, Petros, a large piece of rock, And on this rock, a huge rock like Gibraltar, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it. It will not be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom in heaven. Whatever you bind, declare to be improper or unlawful on earth, must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, declare lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. And the basis for that translation is Isaiah 22, 22, Isaiah 22, 22. And the keys of the house of David I will lay upon Christ's shoulder, and he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one shall open. Jesus has already set the parameters of what can be bound and loosed. So this is the reason we need the knowledge of him. If we use the keys of the kingdom, they have to be in Alignment with who Jesus is, right? What he wants. We bind and loose by speaking in agreement with God's words. With God's word. Revelation, knowledge of who Christ is, reveals the truest capacity and form of God's love for us. Who Christ is reveals the deepest sense of who God is and how much he loves us. Let's talk about a word of knowledge on your outline. Let's look at these definitions. Now, This is just general revelation. We've been talking about general revelation of the Holy Spirit revealing who God is to us and why that's important to know. But there are times in specific situations in our lives that the power of the Holy Spirit manifests to address something that's going on Right now, to guide us, to direct us. Now, many years ago, maybe more than 20, I was working with a friend, another children's pastor from a different church, and we were planning to set up a a conference to equip children's workers and youth workers, and we were in the planning details and the planning stages, and I was in my office at the church building at the time, and I get a buzz from the secretary's office on the phone, and she said, so-and-so uh, is calling for you. And of course, with the intercom system, then I have to you know, hit the button and pick it up. As I reach to pick up, the Holy Spirit says, this is, he is calling because he wants to ask you if we can use your church facility to have this conference in. This is a word of knowledge comes to me as I'm reaching for the phone. The Holy Spirit says he's calling to find out if you can use this facility to host the conference. Now, normally, and the Holy Spirit said, tell him yes. Normally, I would not say, tell him yes. In, in the hierarchy of a church organization, the children's pastor is on the bottom of the totem pole. I usually have to jump through red tape and all kinds of clearance, you know, to schedule things and all that kind of stuff. But the Holy Spirit said, tell him yes. So I picked up the phone, I pushed the button, and I said, the Holy Spirit says yes. He's like, what? You don't even know why I'm calling. I said, yes, I do. The Holy Spirit just told me you're calling to find out if you can use our facility for the conference. And the Holy Spirit says to tell you yes. How did you know that? I said, the Holy Spirit said to tell you yes. That was cool. You know, that doesn't happen all the time, but that was one of those things where the Holy Spirit said, tell him yes. The Holy Spirit wanted the conference there. So then after I hung up, I have to go to the secretary's office and then file all this paperwork to get scheduled. And, you know, it worked out. God is good. When he says do it, then you just do it, right? So this is what a word of knowledge does. It can change your life. It can change what's happening and where it's happening and how it's going to go down. So what is a word of knowledge? It's revelation, knowledge from the Holy Spirit, containing facts pertinent to your current situation. uh, And the truth about the situation can be revealed how it comes, words of knowledge can come through an inward perception, that inward voice, a vision, angelic visitation, and dreams or visions, and even our conscience. You know, you know, if you do something, you can hear clearly in your conscience, that's not how this is supposed to go. This is supposed to happen. You, know, you can hear that sometimes. So what is the purpose of a word of knowledge? A word of knowledge addresses our hard attitudes and changes the way we think about things. Words of knowledge address the blindness of our minds, and our inability to perceive spiritual things. They point us in a new direction, which could be life-altering for us and others. Words of knowledge help the church preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And I have some examples here of Ananias in a vision, God telling him, I want you to go pray for Paul. I have a purpose for Paul. You need to go do this. You know, even though Ananias was like, are you sure this guy's been killing Christians and locking them up? But Ananias did what the Holy Spirit told him to do. And then there's Peter seeing this this sheet fall from heaven with all these things, and the Holy Spirit saying, take, eat, and him like, no, 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 no. That vision opened Peter's heart up to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Barnabas and Paul, there's a group of godly teachers and prophets praying and ministering to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit says to them, I want you to send Barnabas and Paul out on a missionary journey. They're ready. This is what needs to happen. And then Peter's preaching, another one here in Acts 14. Peter's preaching, and as he's preaching, he's looking out at an audience like you guys. Now, I can't see what's going on in your minds. There's no ticker tape running on your forehead. But Peter, when he looked at a man, the Bible says he perceived he had faith to be healed. That's a word of knowledge. He's looking at a guy, and the Holy Spirit says, this man's got faith to be healed right now. And Peter says, rise up and walk. And the man jumped up, and he was healed. Changes people's lives. Now, if you get a word of knowledge and you perceive somebody has faith to be healed, it can be very tempting for you to just stand there and do nothing. I don't want to look like an idiot. I'm not going to say anything. If Peter had done that, that man would not have been healed. We have to get so confident in hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit that we can be obedient and just do what he asks us to do. We have to keep our our hearing open so we can do what he asks us to do. So when we get a word of knowledge, we need to ask him, what do you want me to do with this? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? When you get a word of knowledge, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? And then do what he tells you to do. So how do we prepare our spirit so that we're confident that we're hearing the Holy Spirit? And I'm going to have my my husband come up here. And he's going to help me for a minute. Our world is so noisy. We've got a world full of suffering and pain and confusion and and all kinds of things. And uh, he's he's brought his noise canceling headset for me. When he mows on the mower, it gets really loud. So he puts these on. He can't hear the mower. He can't hear me. He can't hear anything. If I ever want to flag him down, I have to directly get in front of the mower and go like, hey. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) This is what we got to do with the noise of the world. We got to find a way to put a muffler on it to cancel it out. Okay, so I'm going to share with you some ideas on how to cancel the noise of this world. Because sometimes this noise Sounds like an F5 tornado. You ever heard a tornado go through? Sometimes the noise of the world gets so loud, it just terrifies us because we don't know if we're going to survive it. And we have to find a way to cancel those voices. Thank you, Doug. Thank you for being my object lesson. We have to find a way to cancel those voices so they don't overwhelm our heart and, and the chaos doesn't take us out of what God wants us to do. So the first thing here is that we have to take time to be quiet. We literally have to find some time every day, every week, shut off the phone, turn off the TV, and just listen for God. If you've got 15 minutes, do it for 15 minutes. If you can do it for a half hour, that's better. We've got to adjust our lives to make him priority. And I know this is hard. I know how hard this is, especially if you've got little kids. Years ago, there was a thing about 30 years ago, 40 years ago, my oldest daughter's 41 now. um, There was a thing going through the body of Christ. Just take one hour for God. Get up every morning early and pray for one hour. Pray for one hour. And I had four little kids, a baby, three toddlers. I'm up in the night nursing a baby, and the the church is like, you got to take an hour every day. And I'm like, there is no way that's going to happen. I'm getting like five hours sleep a night, and I've got three little girls to take care of, four little girls. And the Holy Spirit said to me, there's a verse. You've read this. It's in Isaiah. It says, he gently leads those that are with young. I'm like, oh, I needed to hear that. He gently leads those that are with young. He will carry the flock. He will lead them as a shepherd. And he gently leads those that are with young. I got out from under that condemnation of having to find that one hour at 5 a.m. to go pray. It didn't work for me, and I needed to be set free, and the Holy Spirit did that. You do have to find time, but do what you can do where you're at right now. Don't get under condemnation, but try to find some time to quiet yourself. Cancel out. Don't read the newspaper. Don't get on social media. Try to find a half hour or at least once a week where you can find this. Make it your priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. Try to make this a priority. Keep renewing your mind. Keep learning to think as God would have you to think. Guard your heart. Our, our next scripture, our last scripture, is in Matthew 13, and this is the parable of the sower. And a lot of times when we talk about the parable of the sower, we read the first part about where Jesus talks about it, and then we read the explanation. But I want us to get the middle part that we often will, I'm going to ask us to jump for sake of time. down to when the disciples ask him, why do you speak to them in parables? Let's go down about verse 10. Okay, right here, perfect. He says, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. To you it's been given, to them it's not been given. For whoever has, has What? understanding and knowledge for to whoever has to him more will be given and he will have an abundance but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him therefore i speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand and in them the prophecy of isaiah is fulfilled which says hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing, you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull; their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their ears, and hear, see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men Desired to see what you see and did not see it and desired to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Jesus is lamenting the dullness of their heart. And he says, as Christians, we're not supposed to have dullness. We're supposed to have clarity of understanding. But this verse 19 is really important. When anyone hears about the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, then it's an opportunity for the enemy to steal it from you. So we have to press in to the revelation knowledge. We have to guard our hearts and minds so that the cares of this world don't steal it from us. I know many of us, get overwhelmed by the cares of this world and right now in this time in history there's a lot going on and we all have situations going on in our life but you know as I was preparing this the Holy Spirit said to me I want you to tell them something whatever is burdening your heart whatever seems like a challenge that you can't overcome whatever is a care of this world to you turn it into an opportunity to love people What seems overwhelmingly difficult, ask God to help you love people in it. Because when you ask for love to come into a situation, you have asked for the power of God to come into it. And what was a burden turns into a ministry opportunity. What was overwhelmingly difficult turns into you asking God to release his love in that situation. And the power of God comes in and blows it all apart. And, and the victory of God comes into it because the love of God comes into it. So when we find ourselves struggling, deeply struggling with something, ask God to show you how to let love come into that situation. And he'll turn it around. Don't let that burden your heart. Don't let that unforgiveness or temptation of the flesh or whatever it is that's turning your eyes away from God, whatever is turning your heart away from listening to the Holy Spirit, ask God to help you in that so that you can focus. Pray in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. So in summary, I'm going to wrap this up real quick. i got like three things to tell you. When we learn to quiet our spirit, we are preparing our hearts to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit more clearly. We are practicing being heavenly-minded, We are demonstrating to God our Father how important he is to us. We show him we desire to carry the fire of his revelation knowledge in our hearts. We begin to worship him in spirit and truth. When we quiet our spirit, we begin to show the love of God to others in every circumstance. A word of revelation knowledge acted upon in the love of God can change a single life like Peter being sent to Cornelius, which actually changed the world, or like the woman at the well in the city of Sychar, that word of knowledge that the man she's living with is not her husband, it let her know this was Messiah, and she went back and told her community. It changed the region. That one word of knowledge changed a region. And... Even nations. When Paul and Barnabas were sent out, they were trying to figure out where to go, and the Holy Spirit said, "No, you can't go here, and you you can't go there." But in a dream, a word of knowledge says, "You can go to Macedonia," and it changed the nation of Macedonia. Words of knowledge can change nations and villages and countries and communities. When we know who God is and we're led by the Holy Spirit, there's always a chain reaction. You know what a chain reaction is? You speak something and it changes somebody's life. And then they tell somebody else, you know what I learned? This changed my life. And it goes and it goes and it's a chain reaction like ripples on a pond. God is on the move, my friends, my beloved brothers and sisters. He's on the move, but he moves through us, okay? So we got to be on the move so that he's on the move. So I just want to encourage you to take time, quiet yourself, so you can receive that revelation knowledge that you're supposed to have because God has given you all things, all right? Amen. God bless you all. I'm going to have somebody come up. Isaac's coming up. Okay.